Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining the podcast today and listening in. And I'm, I'm joined by a new friend of mine, James Kelly. James, thanks so much for making time for the Boca Podcast. My pleasure. My pleasure. It's great to be here. Oh, and, and we've already had some really great conversation. And, and uh, you know, I, selfishly, this is part of the reason that I do this podcast is just I love conversation, one-on-one conversation, one-on-two conversation. And it's already been quite interesting. And I think maybe is even encouraging a second episode already. We, there's so much to cover. But we're going to actually be diving into a new topic for the Boca podcast today around selling physical products, prints and albums. We're going to get to that here in just a little bit. But I like to start the podcast off with kind of an aha moment, this is what I'm calling it. But this is an experience or maybe a series of experiences that end up making a big difference in your business and maybe catapulted your business forward. What was that aha moment for you? My aha moment would have been two and a half years ago with the arrival of my my son, my first child, my son. Wow. Um, yeah, that was that was that was hard hitting. That was a big wake up call. Um, yeah, yeah, def- definitely changed my life for the better. Um, but having having someone like that who's dependent on you just changed my whole outlook on my business, my photography, my life, my structure, everything. Um, so that was that was my aha moment. Yeah. And what? How do you think that that made a difference in your business? How did it change the way that you did business or the way that you looked at your business? Um, I think first of all, I mean, I was I was pretty laid back with my business before. Um, I was I was committed, but not as committed as I should have been. And then having having this little this, this baby arrive and yeah. who's solely dependent on you, you know, you've got to make sure that you have enough money coming in right. and you've got to have the support. You've got to have, um, you know, everything and then structure as well for spending time with the family. Really look at my whole business model and change everything. Now, that didn't happen right away. It, it took almost a year, actually, for this all to happen um, because of circumstances, life, living accommodation, things like this. Just looking at my business and going, right, I have this dependent on me. My my fiance is not going back to work. She wants to be a stay at home mum. So then I need to be the sole. Prices need to be restructured, and and yeah, that will happen in a year, which was still intense. <laughs> I can imagine. Well, the interesting thing too, and I have I have a son who's fifteen, and my daughter is twelve, and they still have the similar impact on me, and and in the sense that. They're kind of a constant wake-up call, both for my personal life as well as my business life. Um, yeah. They're a constant source of, source of inspiration. Um, they challenge me in, in wonderful ways. You know that the kinds of conversations that we have at this stage in their lives have been quite compelling. Um, so I hope that you continue to find that kind of compelling interaction with your son too. I mean, it's different right now as as he's two; he's beginning to have conversation, and and it becomes more and more interesting. And then, <laughs> even at, even at like six or seven years old, you, you'll probably find that you're going to have some surprisingly intellectual conversations that are quite eye opening. And it's I always find it humbling and and um, at the same time extremely heartwarming. So I I yeah. wish that for you as well as you continue to Aww. develop that relationship with him. 
Def- definitely. I mean, he's been amazing. He He's the child that makes you want to have more children. Yes. Um, which we, we are actually expecting another one in February. So. Oh, no way. Congratulations. Thank you very much. But again, it's, I'm having that whole experience of now I've got two kids depending on me. Yeah. You know? um, so, you know, we've actually had a bit of another restructure recently. But um, no, he is. He's a chatterbox. He's brilliant. And um, he's, he's a big joy to have around. So love oh, I love it. it. Love it. If we go to your website and, and we'll share the link to your website a little bit later in the podcast. But if you go to your website and the homepage, um, I, I love this little segment on that homepage. It says short of time or short of time, here is the quick version. And then yeah. you, and you say, I'm from Northeast Scotland. I live with my fiance, Iris, my son, James Jr., and our working Cocker Spaniel, Susie. I'm energetic yep. and sometimes a bit of a numpty, Scottish for silly. Uh, I'm completely <laughs> yep. mad about everything photography and being outdoors. I truly believe I have the best job around. And, and I have to admit, too, that not only reading that, but then seeing the picture next to it, where you have this kind of mischievous grin on your face, it just naturally <laughs> made me look forward to having conversation with you. Um, but, but I'd love for you to tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself. Talk to us about your fiance and maybe a bit more about your son. And I'm really curious what a working Cocker Spaniel means. Yeah, so, well, first of all, the working Cocker Spaniel, um, you have Springer Spaniels, which are for, for shooting and things like that, for retrieving. So they're they're very energetic. And then you have the Cocker Spaniel, which is a smaller version. Um, Susie, her dog's a bit in between. So she looks, she's, she's a small Cocker, but she's got the energy and the hyperness of a Springer, which is anyone who has Springer Spaniels knows that these animals can be crazy. Yeah. And they're hyper and quite hard to control him but she's amazing she's absolutely brilliant we're very lucky with with that one so that yeah so she, she's a big part of our life and the spaniels are so beautiful too what color oh, they she? are she is liver and white so that she's wow. uh, the kind of, she, she looks very much like um what's called a, an english springer spaniel so yeah. she's she's that kind of brown brown and white um so yeah yeah so if everyone thinks she's a springer puppy but we're like nope she's actually seven years old but she's she's lovely although she has absolutely nothing to do with my son Nothing. Oh, really? She, she doesn't even acknowledge his existence. <laughs> in uh, pure jealous. That's all it is. It's jealousy. Yeah. Um, so that's 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 her. Um, so we're hoping as he gets older, she'll come around a little bit more. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, but love it. But uh, no, I'm I'm from uh, I'm from a little area of Scotland called the northeast of Scotland, um, where I grew up. Um, for for anyone that's um, whiskey drinkers, that's usually anything in Scotland. You yes. describe it in a distillery. Uh, you've got a distillery called Glengarry, or as most people call it, Glengarrioch, but it's pronounced Glengarry. That's my local distillery. Um, oh, at the moment, I actually live in a village called Lumbride, um, which is halfway between Aberdeen and Inverness. So we are in Speyside Valley, where all your Speyside whiskeys and things like this come from. Um, so that's that's the best way to de- describe it. Hey, f- you- forget these Skype interviews. I'm just going to come visit you for the next interview and, <laughs> and go whiskey tasting, too. I'll do it. I've got a great collection. I've got a great collection of whiskey. And, you know, you've got, you know, 10 miles away from me, you've got Glenn Fiddich, you've got Glenn Livett, you've wow. got Bill Fiddy uh, McCallan, um, Abelauer. They're they're all within a quick quick drive. We'll get a driver and we can definitely do a little whiskey tour. So very lucky to be in that area and obviously being a big whiskey drinker myself. Um, it's beautiful. You know, the, the northeast of Scotland is very hidden. We don't have a great tourist um, area, although you've got Bamoral Castle where the Queen comes to and things like this. Uh, and then um, an hour's drive to Inverness and then to the highlands of Scotland, which is just a, a different part of the world. It's it's very, very beautiful, very inspiring. Um, lots of castles everywhere and big gardens and wow. phenomenal venues as well. So, yeah, very lucky to be bang smack in the middle. And that allows me to cover 
this this whole area. Well, and and I, I, we were talking about this earlier, but uh, I, and and maybe you'll expand on this in just a bit. But you, you not only shoot weddings, but also landscapes. And um, talk about it, just an ideal place to be to be photographing landscapes. I can only imagine it's just a dream. Uh, uh, yeah, when the weather works, it's, it is a dream. Where you get the weather. So, um, two days ago, I was actually up in the northwest of Scotland shooting a video um, of medium landscape, and the weather was looking great until you got to the area. And then next, you know, we had what's called gale force winds. So we had really, really strong winds that you could barely stand up. Directional rain, and it would come, then it would go, then it would come back, and it would go. And you know, by the end of it, completely soaked. It's pitch black. Um, you're high up in these mountains, you know, you've got like a half an hour walk to get back to the car. So, yeah, it's it's um, quite often when doing landscape, you know, you're visiting a location probably five to ten times before you get that that perfect shot. Um, sometimes you get it first time round, but that's very rare. Interesting. Yeah. So I, could, I bet it can be a challenge then. I mean, and, and is the, the weather kind of unpredictable? I know here even in the last less than a year or so, I, I live in Tennessee and in Chattanooga, the Chattanooga area, it's a, kind of a valley um, existence. And um, the, the weather, I mean, they'll, they'll say one day it's going to be this thing that you get there and it, and it can be, even be totally different. Is that the case there? Yeah, yeah. Ignore weather reports. They, they lie. <laughs> the, 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 the thing about Scotland and the joke about Scotland is you see the weather, you see, you see the BBC weather and you're like, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> or it'll happen a day later. Yeah. So the weather here is very, very unpredictable. Um, you know, we all easily, we can sometimes during spring and autumn get our four seasons in one day. Um which is crazy. Um, this year has been my wettest year for weddings. Um, so I would say probably every third wedding has been a complete washout where it's just been heavy rain or heavy winds. Wow. And that's all through summer. For me, it's great for the creativity. You know, you've got to adapt and find different ways to take pictures and, and um, you know, convince your bride and grooms. Like, we've got these big umbrellas. Come outside. <laughs> your dress will dry later. It's OK. Yeah. You know. So, yeah, the weather has been very challenging. Um, we actually haven't had a bad snow winter since 2011. That was our last really heavy, heavy snow, which is where we're quite renowned for getting a lot of snow. Um, the mountains up in the high mountains have been fine, but the lowland areas has just been really bad for snow, unfortunately. Wow, wow. So we talked about uh, your son, James, earlier, but but you also mentioned to me before we hit the record button that your fiance is a marine mammal scientist. And that sounds absolutely fascinating to me. And, and again, it seems like might be the kind of perfect environment to be in that field. But talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so my my lovely darling fiance, my my rock that she is, um, we've been, yeah, we, I've, got to, I've got to say that, um, We've been together five years. Um, we met in Aberdeen. She's originally from the Faroe Islands, which is a collection of islands between Iceland and Scotland. Um, again, that's just a, another inspirational, phenomenal place, which I'll talk about later on. So she, we met when she was studying zoology, and um, she then finished her degree and then moved down to St Andrews, where she was doing her master's in marine mammal science. Um, which was for a year. So that took me to another end of the country, wow. very, very beautiful part of the country, especially if you like golf. Um, <laughs> so it's been together five years. It was three years past July that I proposed to her. Uh, gives us time to think about our wedding and what we want to do with our wedding. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, so we, we live we live together up here with our son. We have another one on the way. Yeah, she's, she's phenomenal. So she actually hasn't really done anything since she had James, her her dream is to be a mother. She's always wanted to be a mother and um, she's taken some time off to so she can stay at home, be a stay at home mom and just enjoy 
being a mother and um, she helps me with a lot of my paperwork and all the social media planning and things like that so I have her working even though she's a stay-at-home mom <laughs> she's also got her own blog as well she's got her own little mummy blog where she records everything about being a mother and the experiences and all this sort of stuff yeah. um, called um, His Sleepy Smiles. So that's kind of her her little side project that she does. Oh, that's brilliant. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. I'm curious though, like what, what do you guys do as as a family to take advantage of free time? What, is, what does that look like? Free time? What's, what's free time? <laughs> <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. During the wedding season, um, we... And during wedding season, it's it's a bit crazy. It really is a bit a bit a bit manic, but we plan around that. So um, Mondays and Tuesdays tend to be my days off. Um, Monday we have um, it's our adventure day. So what we tend to do is pack lunch, a, a picnic or something like that, and we'll drive and we'll go and find new places, new beaches, new woods. Um, a lot of it is kind of like location scouting for future photo shoots for landscape photography things like this. And it usually tends to be within an hour to two hours drive from our home. Um, so that's what we do on Mondays. Um, Iris is a very keen baker. She loves baking. She's very good at baking. Oh, wow. Um, I love eating her baking. So I get to eat all the cakes and the biscuits. <laughs> uh, cooking's my hobby. My, if, if I wasn't a photographer, there's a good chance I'd probably be a chef. I love cooking. Really? Is that something you guys do together as well? When I'm busy, she'll do the meals and stuff, but um, usually Mondays and Tuesdays are my days for experimenting and doing some crazy meals or trying something new. Um, But I try and and cook as much as I possibly can because it's it's also my de-stress, so that's pretty good. Visiting family, you know, we've got family that are all around us. We try and spend as much time as we can with them, and then are like holidays holidays are, are are always going to the Faroe Islands so any sort of time off that I have we fly up to the Faroe Islands and spend time with her family but it usually ends up me doing photo shoots or, or weddings so it's a working holiday sure well not a bad thing <laughs> yeah. to mix that occasionally I mean even it's, even the opportunities that you had as you mentioned earlier to be able to scout locations I think is great um, I but yeah. I love the proactivity that comes from saying, all right, this is the day that we kind of set aside as our day off and and a day that we can spend time with each other. This is actually something that I used to do uh, with my kids as well. We we Mm -hmm. called it Fun Monday. And okay. before before they started school, um, Monday was the day that ended up switching to Fun Sunday uh, once school started. But um, I, I think just being proactive about setting time aside makes all the difference in the world. And and your kids feel that they are a priority as well. And I think yeah. that's really really important. So that that's a wonderful example for all of our listeners. Now I, I'd Definitely. love to get into the photography side of things um, yeah. on your on your website. And I'll just go ahead and mention JamesKellyPhotography.com, just like it sounds. Um, mm-hmm. You mentioned that you're a wedding, equine, and portrait photographer. And of course, we also talked about landscape photography. Mm. How did you get into photography in the first place? So originally, um, and if you met me and saw me, you would laugh, but I actually trained as a fitness instructor um, after leaving school. Uh, and after two years of doing that, decided that wasn't for me, um, although I do do half marathons and things like this. But I um, I studied, I did a short course at college. Um, our college, we, we have university and then we have college, which is kind of just below university. Okay. Um, I studied multimedia. I originally wanted to be a website designer. That was kind of my goal after doing that and discovered that I had absolutely no design talent whatsoever. (laughs) Um, So halfway through that course involved um, black and white photography, like film photography. Um, 
so the college we had big these big beautiful dark rooms with all the chemical processing all the cameras and half the course was that and as soon as I walked into a dark room the smell the feeling I got from it was just like this is amazing I absolutely love this yeah and at the end of that course I switched over and spent two and a half years at college studying photography um and it was 90% film and 10% digital, which sadly now it's the other way around. It's 90% digital, 10% film. Um, so that was me. So I broke into into doing um, photography, which, you know, being a young lad as well. I'm, um, but I fell into the nightclubs and bars and became a nightclub photographer. And What does that mean to be a nightclub photographer? That, oh, that, that's interesting. My, well, yeah, interesting is one word to describe it. My, <laughs> my job involved going to all the bars and clubs in my local city in Aberdeen and photographing all the drunk people and then posting <laughs> the pictures online. Um, that just sounds like a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, the wedding evening. You know, it actually yeah. has a, a effect on my weddings as well. And that grew arms and legs. And in the end, we had 24 photographers working for the company. Whoa. Uh, we every major city in scotland at one point we were averaging almost a million page views um almost in a week on oh our websites word. it was insane it was it, it it just got out of hand in the end unfortunately it took up all my time there's only so much you can take of drunk people and after about four or five years i, I sold the company and decided what am i going to do now and that's when i i accidentally fell into wedding photography so, Which is interesting, though, because the wedding photography pulls from your interests in, in journalism. Um, and mm-hmm. then, of course, you had all this experience photographing these, these uh, shall we say, events, or we'll just say night, the, the nightclub <laughs> events. Um, but it's yeah. interesting that you kind of pulled from your experience and, and dove into a career which put some of that together. Yeah, I mean, initially, I couldn't think of anything worse than being a wedding photographer. I mean, who in their right mind would want to be a wedding photographer? That was my my impulse. And it was a friend at the time, and she wanted me to photograph her wedding. And I said, no, I'm not a wedding photographer. And the kind of wedding they were having, they needed the, the best photographer because that's what they were like. That was the budgets. And she refused to book her photographer. And three months before the wedding, she came to me and went, "There's no chance I'm going to get a photographer. You're going to have to. You're going to have to do it." Oh wow! And it was complete and utter disaster. Everything that I think a photographer, every mistake a photographer makes in their career, I think I made in one <laughs> wedding. And I broke a lens. I tore my my trousers. I sweated through a shirt. Yeah. I accidentally formatted the memory card of oh, with all the pictures no. up getting ready in the morning. And then we were off to Egypt the next day. And I had to download the the scan software and we couldn't get internet in Egypt. And then so it was a week and a half before I could get everything on the computer to um, to scan the memory cards. Lucky enough, we got them all back. I may have had a couple of whiskeys and got rather <laughs> drunk, but she didn't know any of this until about two years after her wedding. And she got the photographs. She loved them. Her friends saw them. And then just off the back of that one wedding, it again, it just started to evolve. Yeah. Um, and I was like, well, hey, we're going to do this. Let's do this properly. Um, and then I met Iris and then, you know, she's very level headed and she was like, look, you're good at this. This is what I think you should be spending your time on. Uh, and I agreed with her. Well, and it's and lovely became- to have to have somebody that knows you well enough that they can kind of speak to you in that way and, and lend you that perspective. Definitely. She is. She's, she's, Iris is a very honest girl. Um, she doesn't hold back. So, but she's, she's amazing. 
I love it. So how then do you, I mean, wedding photography is actually, is obviously something that, that you spend at least part of your professional time doing, but how do you keep a clear brand position or how, how are you able to effectively market yourself when you're offering such a wide range of photographic services? Yeah, it's, it's, it's changed recently. So we've, we've kind of um, slimmed down things like the portraits side of things. To be brutally honest, being a portrait photographer in the area we are is um, financially not viable. It's very, very um, strong competition and it's driving the price down. So we decided as well um, that we'd concentrate on weddings first and then my landscape, and then also working with equine horses, horse portraits, things like that, because we have a very strong presence of horses in the area, um, and horsey people are mad about their horses, so that's 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 really good. Huh. But keep, keeping the brand, you know, it's it's for me, it's about scheduling certain photographs, certain times. We've got two different facebook profiles one which is solely just for the landscape okay and then my other main one um on social media and instagram and facebook is a mix of everything so it's it's keeping it you know majority of the stuff on there is weddings but maybe twice a week we might post a landscape picture or something like that so what happens there is it draws the audience for the wedding market which i'm you know which is my main income coming in but then with the landscape and then the workshops that i do we kind of advertise that to, you know, potential wedding clients, friends of wedding clients. They want to learn photography. So that's where the workshops come in, come in handy for that. And what type of workshops um, are you offering? I know you mentioned this to me earlier as well, but mm. are they geared toward a particular type of photography? Mainly landscape photography. So I would say pretty much all landscape photography. So for me, people who are just getting in photography, even if they're interested in portrait photography, I really feel that taking them into the, into a landscape and taking the time to take pictures as soon as you put a model in front of them they freak out they don't know what to do they panic but just taking your time breathe it in learn about light learn about composition learn about how to use your camera and that's kind of the workshops that we do and so you have a, a, a wide range of people from just wanting to take pictures of their pets their kids to people who are like no i want to go into the mountains and i want to take nice dramatic pictures so um we tailor each course to to, to those people more one-to-ones than, than anything. So sure. Well, and, and speaking of dramatic imagery too, I, you and I talked about this earlier, but the, the first image on your website, jameskellyphotography.com is wonderfully and beautifully dramatic. Mm. And, um, it makes me a little bit jealous of, of that, that scenery that you have access to. But, um, I, it also makes me think of, I, I used to, when you're talking about taking time to capture photographs, um, one of the most, I guess, peaceful experiences that I had as a photographer was setting up either my, my six by six, the medium format uh, twin lens uh, camera, my Yashica on a, on a tripod and just really taking, as you say, take time to set up all of the settings manually Mm -hmm. and and to compose the shot and to manually focus. I love that process. And then I also have a, um, a, it's a Russian swing lens panoramic camera. It shoots 35 millimeter film. Uh, but it's it's just so enjoyable to set that up and to shoot in a different format, and um, and then of course wait to get the scans back and and see how see how it all turned out. But I, I it's it's wonderful to take a break from this kind of almost machine gun firing of the, of the digital camera, and really truly take your time and, and learn to appreciate every element of it. And it can be extremely meditative, I find even. Very much with the panoramic camera. I've actually been saving up for a film panoramic camera. Uh, one of my landscape kind of inspirations of photographer called Colin Pryor, and all his initial work was all done in film panoramic. And I think there's there's an art form to film photography. 
And that's what I love about film photography is I, I personally feel there's an art form to it. And slowing down, taking your time and not knowing what you've got in the back of your your negative is is exciting. Oh, it is exciting. It's like unwrapping a present almost every time. <sighs> It really is. And we, we do courses and um, one of the courses we do at the end of it is we give everyone film cameras and then we the two rolls of film that go away and take pictures and they're so excited to get the negatives back to see if it's worked or if it hasn't worked. And that's missing in, in digital photography. And um, so that's something that I, I preach a lot is is slowing down. You know, don't spray and pray. Think about your shots, you know, try and envision what's going to happen next. And I try to incorporate that, especially into my my wedding photography as well. Well, I think this works as a wonderful segue to our, our primary focus in our conversation today, which has to do with selling a physical product. You know, when we talk about the traditional approach to photography, the traditional sales approach has changed as well as, of course, we, we've been um, inundated with digital photography and the digital process now for a number of years. Uh, when it, leading up to this conversation today, uh, one of the things that you had mentioned was that that you're on a mission right now to encourage your clients to uh, to print order prints or, or to buy albums than just simply receiving the high resolution files. And so I'd love for you to share what the significance of physical products are to you uh, as a photographer and a business owner. And then maybe we can talk a little bit about the process and selling to your clients. Yeah, I think the, the, the whole process just now with, with wedding photography and photography in general regards to print, it's, it's not going in a very positive way personally. Um, I think, photographers this is maybe not the best way to use it but i think photographers are becoming lazy in a way that they are just selling a product here's a high resolution images thank you very much see you later um and they're maximizing their profit from selling these high resolution images and i think we're doing a disservice to our clients by not offering prints and albums um for, it's, it's important for me that, that a photograph is not a photograph until it's been printed and looking at a photograph on a tablet, on a smartphone, on your computer, compare it to holding a print, holding an album, smelling it, looking at it. It has a different um, reaction to, I think, to the human brain. I think we we start to relive the memories of that moment when that picture was taken by looking at an actual printed photograph. I don't think you get that same effect looking at the, the smartphone and the tablet. So... I'm seeing an increasing number of photographers um, starting to stop selling albums and just offering the high resolution images. I, I don't I don't agree with it personally. I really don't agree with it. I think as us photographers, we need to offer a physical product to continue the service. Um, taking pictures is just part of the whole service we offer. Um, Another big part of it is giving a physical print. That is what a photograph is. It's, it's a physical photograph that you hold or an album or a wall art or something like that. Um, and I'm seeing it dying off. And I think people are just finding it difficult to sell. Um, maybe the cost of print, the cost of albums are increasing in price. But especially when wedding photography, when it's your big day, people will pay for an album. I really do believe the people will pay for an album as long as you're not pricing yourself out as well for sure well and you're right there is something about that tangible process of holding uh, a print and and i mm -hmm. even have on my refrigerator in my my kitchen um, i have little polaroid prints 
created from digital files that I just shot on my phone. And even yeah. even being able to hold that small Polaroid print, that physical, tangible process of being able to hold on to it and look at it, it really does create a whole different experience. And I think the key word here is experience because mm-hmm. you know the reality is most everybody is consuming imagery digitally uh, mm-hmm. largely out of convenience and and we have yeah. to acknowledge that and we have to adjust our businesses accordingly but of course. at the end of the day what does set us apart as photographers is not necessarily sure there's a technical side to photography that as professionals hopefully we, we can actually distinguish ourselves from the consumer or the average person with just any old camera uh, mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, technology is en- enabling con- the consumer to be able to take even a decent photograph now. Yeah. And so what and helps us set ourselves apart from the consumer and to set ourselves apart from this kind of gradually decreasing uh, market for professional photography is mm-hmm. um, the experience. And part yeah. of that experience then is being able to hand them a, a physical product. I remember one of my favorite things was was to have imagery printed on a what I call textured art paper, textured fine yeah. art paper. Mm-hmm. And, and the images would print beautifully, including the ones that I, I used to shoot portraits of our brides and grooms um, with that panoramic camera that I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And I'd have that printed on an 8x20 uh, mounted on foam core on this textured fine art paper. We put it in a box right. with tissue paper and, and deliver that. Um, yeah. it's, it's almost like a gift. And, and yeah. that's just a whole different experience, as you're saying, than just being able to scroll through images on an iPad mm-hmm. or a phone. That is that is very normal and natural these days. But if we want to create a different experience, we need to, to consider the tangible product. So I'd love for you to share with our listeners what that sales process looks for you or looks like for you when it comes to prints and or um, album sales. Yeah, so the whole process, I think, when it comes to prints and albums, starts off with pricing. One of the the things recently we've been looking at is um, we've actually been looking for a photographer for ourselves to do more maternity pictures for Iris for she wants a bump photograph and newborn. Yeah, and we've come across these fantastic photographers who take these beautiful pictures, but when it comes to the pricing, their their photo shoots are very low price. You know very low price and we're like wow that they're i don't like to use the word cheap but you know it's a lot cheaper than expected but when we've asked for a price list for prints we're kind of taken away of just how expensive their prints are interesting you know so they're charging they're making their profit from their prints and from their albums and things like this my business philosophy is the opposite you pay for what i do best which is taking pictures but your prints are a fraction of a cost and I'm finding that clients are still spending almost the same amount amount of money, but they're getting more for their money. They're getting more prints, they're getting albums, um, parents' albums, things like this. Because I keep my pricing low, they're still spending the same amount of money, but they're just getting more for their money. So this is something that I, from from day one meeting, especially wedding clients, is I explain to them, look, I know I'm not the cheapest, I'm not the most expensive, but this is my philosophy, um, this is my price, but this is the price of an album, this is the price of the prints, and if you look at other photographers, you'll probably find that their albums and their prints are, if not two, maybe three times the price of mine, you know? Um, so you're making, also, this, you're making these physical products much more accessible with a lower yes. price point, and one thing that we have to mention here, too, is the significance, not just of the experience of holding those tangible products, but mm-hmm. if you're lowering the price point of prints, for example, that means that the client or the clients have 
easier access to more physical product, which actually, um, in some cases, can represent your business um, cer- certainly much more easily than if yeah. you know they only have one print or two prints. If they have a number of prints up in their house um, or an album that they can take and share with their friends and their family, um, and they were able to do that because of a slightly lower price point, uh, mm-hmm. that's just more advertising for your business. And I think that's really wonderful. Exactly. Exactly. And that's it. And we as photographers, we've got to remember that we are there to create memories. That's our job is to capture these moments and these memories that they will they will cherish for the rest of their life. And if they walk away with just one picture on the wall because they were charging hundreds and hundreds of pound stroke dollars for that print. But if you lower your price, there's a good chance that they're still going to buy that print, but they're going to buy more, which means they're going to fill their house up, which means that when they walk up and down the stairs every now and then, they're just going to capture a glimpse of that photograph yeah. and, and smile and remember that moment at their wedding or, yes. you know, event. And I think as photographers, that's what, that's our job. Our job is to do that, but we need to carry on the process in into print. So this is something that I, I explain to my clients when I first meet them. And, you know, I'm very passionate about what I do. And that can sometimes come across when I'm speaking very passionate about about quality as well. And this is a, a big thing is quality in prints. Um, I use one of the best printers in the UK for my printing. Um, and I've got two different type of printers, one for my, my everyday 7x5s, 10x8s. And then I've got another printer down in London, which is for my, my fine art printing company called The Print Foundry. And they they send me the prints and I open them and I look at them and I get goosebumps when I look at the quality of the prints. Yes. And that that is that's the effect that you want. So, you know, we had we had clients who'd order a big print and I says, Look, I know you paid for the basic one, but I'm gonna do a really nice fine art print for you. And they were meant to send it to the the client, but they accidentally sent it to me and I had to drive almost an hour and a half to drop it off to them. But I got to be in the room when they opened it and they were speechless. And they just stood there for like, they sat there for like five, 10 minutes just staring at it before they said anything. And for me as a photographer, that was a great, great experience. Um, and this is when it comes into the this, this, the selling part, which is something that not everyone wants to do. People are not confident about doing it, but I'm a big believer if you can in-person sales, especially when it comes to albums and you can show them an album, they can feel it. But also when you're delivering products, you, I think you need, if you can, be there to deliver the products to the client so you can see them opening it and see the reaction that they get when they're looking at these pictures. Right. And it gives it gives the photographer a confident boost to go, wow, look at those people, how they're reacting to that picture that I took. You know, they absolutely love it. And it, it gives you a really nice, warm feeling, which I think is important. And I think that in this day and age is very lost, very lost in photography. Wow. I, well, there are a couple of things I want to touch on here. First of all, mm-hmm. you talk about that in sa- in-person sales process. Yeah. Um, I've been reminded of this even, I mean, I shot weddings for about 10 years, but never really got into in-person sales. And, and I think I yeah. missed out on multiple levels, certainly in um, additional profit, but also in mm-hmm. that experience that you're describing. Are there particular techniques that you use to to increase print sales or album sales, or even maybe just to simply communicate the importance, the significance of the philosophy behind that physical product to your clients? Yeah, so initially with clients, um, again, based around more of the wedding work, because that's what I, I concentrate most of my time on. And, and, and even the equine is when they book me, the first thing I say to them is a couple of weeks after you've delivered, I've delivered your images to you online. Let's meet up for a coffee. Let's meet up somewhere. Go for a coffee, go for a wine, a beer. Um, although I've got to stay sober because we have zero tolerance in, in the UK for dry in Scotland for driving. So um, we meet up and 
we talk about the images and we talk about their day and I show them the albums and they see the albums from from the start but I, I remind them of the albums and talk about the different colors and styles and I show them sample prints as well and you know they go oh well you've been in our house you've seen this particular wall that we have we'd love to do a big print I'd be like well perspex would maybe really good or um, aluminium would be really good in your house or just a standard classic photographic frame so giving them that creative input into them and helping them visualize how their photographs are going to look in their house helps um being honest and open from the beginning about prices um i actually try to encourage my my clients to pick the album or pay for an album before their wedding so when they're budgeting for their wedding i'm like do you want an album well what size do you like what style do you like right let's put that into your budget for your 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 photography now so that after the wedding we can meet up we can pick your different colors pick your pictures and then let's just get it to you as soon as possible and um, so that while you're still reliving that that honeymoon period of your wedding yeah. you get your album and that extends that emotion and feeling that that makes sense and and i i love i mean this is a really simple outline and and really it just takes some proactivity Mm-hmm. on the part of the photographer to make the make it a priority first of all that this yeah. idea of selling a physical product um, but then you start with setting expectations just simply communicating with the client um, mm-hmm. and and then offering these physical products at a price point that is affordable enough that they're going to be more willing and able uh, and and certainly apt to buy and then yeah. and then the quality i think is the the third really really important point that you make which is yeah. um the, the significance of the quality of the product that you're offering because you know people do have access to various print solutions you know whether it's a local grocery store like like here in the states i don't know if they do that there or oh, yeah, store yeah. or otherwise that that type of quality versus <laughs> something that you're going to get from the type of printer that you're describing i know that you mentioned on your website uh, Queensberry, and and mm-hmm. I remember the first time that I got a Queensberry album in uh, when I was still shooting weddings. Uh, you talk about the goosebumps. That was the kind of experience. I think literally my mouth, uh, maybe like physically open for an extended <laughs> period of time when I opened that product before I even delivered it to the client. I got it in. It was a matted album. The the quality of the print was just mm-hmm. absolutely stunning, and then the quality of, of the the custom cut mats for that album was just absolutely gorgeous. And it was it was one of the most uh, memorable experiences that I ever had looking at a finished product of of my work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think there's something to be said for that, not only for ourselves, obviously, to enjoy the experience, but ultimately to be able to give that to the client. And when we're talking about creating an amazing experience, part of that does include um, selling products that are truly of, of high quality. So I think this is a really great it's simple, but it's poignant, and and ultimately, yeah. it's it's on the photographer to make this a priority to make it happen. Set expectations clearly, create a pricing structure that makes mm-hmm. sense for the market. Make sure you're charging enough for the photography side of things to get yeah. to, to make that profit, and then offer a a wonderful quality finished product. And uh, I think this is a a great um, outline for our photographers to to get started focusing more on that that tangible product because again at the end of the day we need to create a better experience that is what is going to set, yeah. set us apart this this line between the consumer and professional will continue to blur more and more 
um, as technology continues to improve and, and make it easier to take a photograph. And um, <laughs> we're going to have to set ourselves apart. Part of what will do that uh, is, is creating a better experience. And that will be done partially through selling these, these tangible products. So this, yeah. is, this has been really, really wonderful for our listeners and, and a great reminder for me too. I'm even getting goosebumps thinking back to, <laughs> to the experiences I had and the experience that I had. But um, this has been really lovely, James. And, and I can't thank you enough for making time um, to share this with our clients. And I'd love to maybe, we may have to have you on again and, and talk a little bit more about landscape photography too. This is a, a yeah, really interesting um, field that, that we haven't touched on a whole lot. But um, before we close, will you just share with our listeners uh, where they can find you online, information about your workshops, uh, as well as your photography business? Definitely. So first of all, my website has everything. So my website is jameskellyphotography.com and Kelly is spelled K-E-L-L-Y. Some people like to add an extra E in there just to so just be clear. Um, same with Facebook um, and Instagram. In Facebook, you'll get me under James Kelly Photography okay. and Instagram is James Kelly underscore photo. But you will get everything about my weddings, my landscape, my equine from my website and also links to my social media there. Beautiful. And we'll make sure that we link to all of this in the show notes for the podcast episode. But once again, thank you so much for making time for our listeners. This has been a great conversation, James. Can't thank you enough. Uh, it's been my pleasure. It has been great. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. <laughs>